I mentioned this in the first service. I, I appreciate Chris and Amy. Three kids under three and a half, and I think that song is pretty fitting that uh, that would be an excuse for many people not to serve, but they continue to serve and use their gifts, and I really, really appreciate all that they do, and uh, they're awesome, and uh, they're already out. They're heading home to take a nap. Um, no, I think they'll be back. We've got one more song we're going to do at the close that's a kind of a newer song. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. And we're reading out of Philippians chapter 2, and I, I typically read out of the New American Standard Version, if you, if you wonder, and, and I'll be reading out of that tonight, or this morning. I don't know, why do I think it's night? <laughs> did anybody oversleep because of the time change? Okay, good. If you did, I'd have to see how you did it, since you lost it, or you, we fell back, right? So, am I at Marysville this morning? Can you just help me here? Uh, but Philippians 2 is one of those passages, and I probably referred to it or spoken about it often in my, in my ministry, even here, there, there are significant passages that, that are personally significant, I believe significant to, to the church, and I believe Philippians 2, 1 through 11 is one of those. In this passage, Paul breaks into an early, early church hymn in the middle of this and begins a, a series of, of poetry, or a, a part of this is in hymn, and so you're, you're, you're privy to what is probably uh, something that was sung and the churches in the first century. And so uh, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of of men. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Can we make that confession this morning together? Jesus Christ is Lord. Can we do that on the count of three? One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, multiply your word. Uh, it, it, may, it, may your word expand in our hearts. And may your word change how we do life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When my oldest, and Wyatt's 20 now, and be 21 here in a few months, when my oldest was um, two or three uh, he was, um, we, we were on a search for a certain toy for McDonald's. Anybody have to do the McDonald's search toy? For Anybody ever do that? Yeah. And, and I believe, I'm, I'm trying, I, I can't remember for sure, but I think it was Lion King, and I think it was Simba or something, and we couldn't get the little Simba toy. And, and so we were driving 
from McDonald's to McDonald's trying to find this toy. And I can remember as we got near the end of the series, we, we got a little bit desperate. And there was like one night where I went to five, four or five different McDonald's, drove like an hour and a half just to find this stupid little toy. And, and I say that with a heartfelt stupid little toy because now as I'm cleaning out my house, all those silly little things that we've gotten from McDonald's are now going in the trash. Anybody ever do anything like that for your kids where, you, you know, you're, you're just, you know, it's a Christmas gift or it's, 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 it's a Cabbage Patch kid or whatever, so, something that's in and you can't find it and you drive all over town or you spend more money than you should just to get this particular item? You know, why, why do we do that for our kids? Some will say, well, it's because you're a bad parent and you're spoiling the kid, and that may be true. But we do those kinds of things because we love our kids. And we would do things for our kids that we wouldn't do for anyone else because of this deep fatherly love, this deep motherly love. Wyatt was my son, my first son, and we would go to all lengths to try to get him what he wanted. You know, several months ago, we we preached a series and and we, we gave this little phrase, what we value determines our actions. The things that are important to you, the things that are important to me, will drive the way we live our lives. For, for example, if, if you have uh, put a great deal of value on running a marathon, anybody here want to run a marathon? Okay, no, I don't see any hands, okay? But let's say if you want to run a marathon, then you will do the training to run the marathon. If, if education, having a degree is important to you, then you will do all the things you need to do to get that education. If, if you want a particular job, you will do all the things you need to do to pursue that job. If, if we, we pursue spouses, we, we per, pursue certain employment, sometimes we're pursuing retirement. If you're pursuing retirement right now, say amen. <laughs> Those things that matter to us and those things that are important to us, we pursue. And I want you to know before we go any further in this message this morning, that this is, you know, when you leave here, I I want you to be reminded of this. I want this to stick in your mind. We matter to God. You matter to God. To God. You are important. You are significant. God loves you. He cares about you. Regardless of what anyone else has spoken into your life, I want you to know this morning that where you are right now, God cares for you. He loves you. He is aware of you. Every hair on your head, and for some of us, that's more than others, right? Every hair on your head is numbered. Jesus says, you know, not a sparrow falls from the sky that my father is not aware of. And you are vastly more important than these. We matter to God. We are significant. He has a plan. He has a vision for our life. He loves us. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're concerned about today, God is concerned about because you're concerned about it. Now, we've been going through vision and 
The last few weeks, we've been talking about vision. Vision is simply who we are trying to be. And, and we've been using this phrase, ordinary people following Jesus, because that's who we are. We're just, we're just ordinary folks, and we're following Jesus, and we're trying to, 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 to achieve this level of, of Christ-likeness. Uh, even though we're ordinary, broken folks, God infuses us with our, his spirit, and he allows us to accomplish things beyond us. I believe through the church we accomplish more together than we could separately, and and we begin to do extraordinary things because of the extraordinary act of God placing his Holy Spirit within us. And I got to tell you, folks, every time I begin to think about that little ideal that that God indwells us through the Holy Spirit, it, it makes our life the, the, the meaning of our life different. It's, you know, it's this ideal that somehow this ordinary person that I am can be infused by the Spirit of God, and through the Spirit of God, I can do more than I can on my own. And, and I, he, he allows me, he enables us to, to do extraordinary things on his behalf. Even though we're just ordinary folks, through the power of his Spirit, we can do more. And, and that's who we're trying to be. Just ordinary folks, through our brokenness, through our weakness, God's strength shining through. Now we're going to start talking about vision and our mission. And and mission is what we're called to do. And and our mission is pretty simple. It's just loving as we go. You know, it's not, not about programs, even though we'll have programs in our church. But 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 our our mission is bigger. Our mission is bigger than any program we can design. Because, see, as Christians, we are called to be Christian and show the love of God wherever we find ourselves in the week. It's not connected solely to programs. It's not connected with, well, well pastor's going to design or the board's going to design a way I can serve God. We can serve God and we can be the church wherever we find ourselves this week if we are simply loving as we're going. And so when you begin to think about vision and mission, it, they, they, they go together. We're ordinary people following Jesus, loving as we go. <laughs> and, and, and vision and mission become one, one and the same as, 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 fo- as we're following Jesus, we're loving as we go because Jesus was loving as he went. We began this, this, fray, this sermon with the ideal that, that we matter to God and and, and we matter to Jesus, and, 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 and I believe as we, we consider the scripture, we can see how, how important we are to God. I think sometimes we can get this a little bit turned around. And anybody remember, in the first service, nobody remembered this, and I may just be dreaming. In the 70s, did they not have bumper stickers that said, I found it? No? Well, hey, just take my word for it, they did. And this is an awesome sermon point, even though none of you remember it. They used to have bumper stickers that said, Angels, Angie saying yes, that said, I found it. And, and, and I understand the concept. The concept was to, to, to testify to an awareness. I have found salvation. I have found God. I have found Jesus. And, and, and it's okay. I, and, you know, I'm not bashing the ideal, the I found it a bumper sticker. But I would say this. This morning... You didn't find religion. You didn't find God. God found us. <laughs> you, you didn't put it all together. 
You didn't wake up one morning and have it all figured out. That This isn't based on our righteousness. It's not about doing the right things. It's not about getting our act together. It's not about thinking our way through this. It's not about serving our way through this. But God has come to and for us. Folks, this is good theology. I want you to be aware of this. That this is not something you've earned. You have not earned uh, sonship. You have not earned daughtership. But your heavenly father has come for you. Because you matter. Because he loves you. Two weeks ago, you had a missionary here. And you had Faith Promise Weekend. And, and, and I hope you, you've supported Faith Promise. Faith Promise is how we support world missions. And faith promise is given just a little bit, and by giving a little bit each week, you can give a whole lot. And by giving a whole lot, a, a bunch of us giving a little bit each week, we can support global evangelism through this church. And, and see, we, we're part of a denomination that has missionaries all over the world. And every dollar you give towards faith promise supports missionaries throughout the world. And, and I think our, our goal was $30,000, and I think last week we already had... 27,000 pledged. If you've not participated, I believe there's still faith promise cards in the back. And, and be prayerful about that. If you've not gotten your card in, please do so. Uh, we want to support our missionaries, right? Let's try that again. We want to support our missionaries. Dan, we're going to have to get the amen sign. I can tell already. So you had a missionary in here, and the, the missionary had been to Cuba, and uh, you know he'd been all over the world. I want you to know our God is a missionary God. The, the first missionary was our Heavenly Father. And we, we see this in the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are created, and they're placed in this perfect garden, and God gives them some simple instructions and, 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 and some simple do-nots. You know, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you can do anything else you want. Just don't eat from this tree. And, and Adam and Eve are, are de- deceived by the serpent, by, by Satan, and, and, and so they're tempted, and they eat the fruit, and they fall and, and they begin to stitch together uh, coverings because they are aware now that they're naked. And, and, and this begins what we see in all of humanity from then on, that we're constantly in this state of covering up and hiding and, and not wanting to be seen for who we are. Do, do you realize that's a spiritual problem? You know, I, I know that we don't have to stand up. You don't have to come up here. And, and confess every sin that you've ever committed. But, but if, if we are so concerned about appearance that we can't be broken and humble before God, it is a deep spiritual problem. And there's no process, no progress until we can get to the point where we can stand before God and say, here I am. This is who I am. These are the sins that are part of my life. This is where I'm failing. This is my attitude. You know, God knows already, right? But see, this is, this is humanity. Humanity is covering up. And, and see, the church can become a place of cover-up. It can become a place where we simply wear a mask. You know, we, we, we know the lingo. We, we know what to wear, what to say. And so we come in this place, and, and, and we're, we're, we're afraid to show what's going on. There will be a revival in our church when our people are humble enough to be broken before God and broken before each other. There'll be revival. Because that's the kind of people that God can 
can move in. See, it's not in our strength that his strength is shown, but it's in our brokenness and our weakness. And see, Adam and Eve, that's the first thing they begin to do. They begin to cover up. They they begin to hide from God. And and the scripture says that in the cool of the day, God came for a walk in the garden. He couldn't find Adam and Eve, and they're hiding from him. And God says, Adam, Eve, where are you? See, our God made the first step. He didn't wait for them, but but God made this first step. And, and, And this is the story of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation is the story of a God who is in love with humanity and is constantly coming to our rescue, to our salvation, to our redemption. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the story of this God who loves us and we matter to him. And because we matter and he loves us, God is making intercession and coming to our behalf. Now, in a couple months, it'll be Christmas. Does that seem, that doesn't seem right, does it? You know, it's almost Christmas. We're, we're just two months away. And I, I'll confess, and you, you can hate me if you like, and that's fine. And I understand people have different... I love Christmas. <laughs> I love the songs. I love the lights. I, I even like the fat guy in the white beard. I do. I, you know, I, I wish he would really come and bring me some stuff. I like the Grinch. I like Scrooge. I, I just like Christmas. I, like, I even like Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, you know they do the dancing. I love Christmas. And, and I, the decorations are starting to come out. Now that Halloween decorations are going up. And, yeah, and the Christmas decorations will be up. And you know, Christmas is God with us. Emmanuel. This perfect example of this missionary God that says, man, they need a savior. I need a savior. Do you need a savior? Can I tell you, this pastor needs a savior. From my first breath to my last breath, I need a savior. As I stand before you today, I need a God who is engaged in my life because I can't do it on my own. I mess up and he convicts me and tells me and I confess and I get back up and I go. God with us. And then we'll come to Easter and and Jesus will die on a cross and be raised again. And, and, And once again, our missionary God doing what we can't do. You couldn't die for your sins, but Jesus could. You couldn't conquer the grave, but Jesus could. And he did it for you because you matter. And that's not enough. Then we come to Pentecost and God says, you know, I want to live within him. It's not good enough to be close. I want to live inside him. And Pentecost means God can be in us and his spirit can transform us from the inside out. This is the story of God. This God who pursues and loves. This morning we read from Philippians 2.1 and you know Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen? Jesus demonstrates the attitude and characteristics of God. And, and Jesus demonstrates the attitude of God towards humanity. He, he, he perfectly expresses how God feels towards you and I. And in this passage, it, it, it has a phrase that says, 
And what I read, it says, although Jesus existed in the form of God, he emptied himself. But, but many theologians believe that this passage is probably more accurately translated because Jesus existed in the form of God. He emptied himself. In other words, the passage isn't saying Jesus just, okay, well, I'll empty myself. But it is in his very essence. It is his character. It is who he is to be emptied on behalf of you and I. That that somehow in the essence of God, there is this ideal that he will be emptied on behalf of his people. Can I tell you something this morning? God doesn't love. God is love. Now, now love is not God. God is love. But the very nature of God exudes giving and sacrifice and love for you and I. I've got to tell you, I don't fully understand that, but I'm thankful for it. Jesus because of his character, because of who he was, emptied himself. Our God's nature is to be poured out for a love others as a, a love sacrifice. It's who he is. And Jesus is this perfect example of this missionary God, going and loving and serving and giving. Jesus had to deal with Pharisees that didn't understand what he was trying to do. And, you know, Jesus is eating with with sinners and tax collectors and losers and no accounts. (laughs) And constantly, those who supposedly had it all together, (laughs) uh, the spiritual, would come to Jesus and say, what are you doing? You say you're you're come from God and, and you're hanging out with those folks? And Jesus will say, well, I came for the lost and I came for the sick, not for the healthy. (laughs) You know, I've come for those who, who need a Savior. Aren't you glad for that? And then in Luke 15, he tells these series of, of parables that, that, that kind of illustrate the, the love of God. And there, there's three different stories he tells. And, and, and one of them, there's this lady, and she has ten coins. And, and she loses one of the coins. And, and he says, who wouldn't tear up their whole house looking for that coin? And when they found that one coin, they would have a great big party. <laughs> They would celebrate finding that coin. And he tells another story. There's a, there's a shepherd, and he has 100 sheep, and, and one of them disappears. And he leaves the 99 in a field, and he goes searching all over for this one that's lost. And when he finds folks, these, these stories give me chills as I just think about them because he's talking about his God, our God. He, he, he would just celebrate as he brings this one home. And he tells a third story. There's a father that had two sons. And one of them takes his inheritance and goes and blows it on wild living. He's living with pigs. I kind of feel like that sometimes with three boys. Sorry, Spencer. And he finally comes to his senses and he starts to come home all the time rehearsing his confession and his, his apology and the father sees him from the back porch 
and runs to him and embraces him. And before he can get the confession out of his mouth, the father's putting a robe on his back and putting a ring on his finger and you're having a plan a big celebration because his son was lost and was dead and now he's home. <laughs> you know, there's another parable real, real close to that that typically we look at in a different manner. <laughs> and it's the parable of the pearl of great price. And, and you know, the, the parable is, hey, who wouldn't, if they found a pearl of great price, sell everything and buy that, you know, it's in a field. Why wouldn't you sell everything, buy that field so you own the pearl, right? And, and typically we think of that as us, that we sell everything and buy the field. But I, I heard somebody talking about that passage two or three years ago, and it's always struck me that almost in all of these parables, when Jesus is talking about a man doing something, he's talking about God. And so if you reverse that parable, that the person purchasing the field is not us, but it's God. And that somehow God has looked out at humanity and said, man, they are so valuable. I am willing to sell everything so I can possess them. That's how much you matter to God. Now, now Bill Heibel, uh, the pastor of Willow Creek, one of the most significant churches in, in our generation, talks about the, these series of stories in Luke 15, and, and he makes it pretty simple. He just says, lost people matter to God. Like, he cares. And I, and I think sometimes you, you take the word lost and there's all sorts of connotations to it. And most people don't want to be lost, but, but the truth of us, all of us have been lost at one point and some of us may even be lost in a way right now. I think lost covers a lot of different things. I think sometimes lost is just that, that, that you, you, you're living in sin and you know it's sin and you're not pleasing God and you're not pleasing anyone and you know it and, and you're so far off from God and you know it. It's just like you're lost in the woods or something. But folks, I think even sometimes believers get lost. <laughs> they get caught up in their own desires. They, get, they veer off the path. There's something that happens and it just knocks them off course. And they find themselves in the midst of lostness, confusion. And they wake up one morning and they say, how did I get here? How did I get to the point where my attitude's this or my feeling's this or I'm not serving or I'm not giving or I'm not going or I'm not doing and... How did I get here? You've ever driving a car and wonder, how did I get here? Yeah. Lost people matter to God. Can, can, can we say it maybe even a more inclusive way? All people matter to God. We matter to God. Now, Isaiah 49, 16 um, says, God, God's speaking to the people of Israel, and he says, um, Excuse me while I blow my nose. Listen, I hate that when people do that. But you can, huh. What was I talking about? Isaiah. Isaiah 49, 16, God says to the people of Israel who are in, in um, exile, he goes, your names are written on my hands. Your walls are written on my hands. You're constantly before me. And there's a reversal in that scripture. And sometimes we read scripture so much that we hear it, but we don't hear it. Or we don't even see the depth of what God's saying. See, see, for God to have our names written on our hands, that's what a slave did for a master. And so let's say that um, I, I am a slave to Neil. <laughs> my name, Neil's name would be on my hands. 
not my name on Neil's hands. Show him your hands. You have Judy's hand on your name. Yeah, right? Yeah. See, the name of the master is on the hands of the slave. And God reverses this and says, your name's on my hands. It's as if God's saying, I'm a slave to you. My, my love is such that, that it's like you're the master and I'm the slave because I love you so much. That, that it will drive me to any, anything, any cost. I'd be willing to die for you. We matter to God. And whatever you're going through this, this morning, God cares. He's, he's concerned. He's engaged. Particularly if you feel lost or you're hurting or broken or hopeless, God has come for you this morning. I've come for the lost. Lost people matter to God. Maybe that's where you're at this morning, that you're just, you know, it's, it's not that you've tried to veer off course. It's, it's not that you've tried to reject God. It's, it, you know, you've not knocked off any banks or killed anybody this week. Any, all hands if you have so I can get you, okay, now. But you're just lost. If you were honest with me, you'd say, you know, there's no depth of relationship. I'm going through a little emotions, but it's just not right. Lost people matter to God. But there's more. If lost people matter to God, then lost people should matter to us. Right? If we are to have the mind of Jesus Christ that's willing to empty himself of everything on behalf of others. Shouldn't we be people? Shouldn't the church, if the church is the body of Christ, shouldn't lost people matter to us? Hillsong has a song called Hosanna, and they say, break my heart for what breaks yours. (laughs) And I love that little phrase, and it's Bob Pierce, who's the founder of World Vision, had a, a very famous similar saying. He says, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. I think that'd be a good thing for a church to pray. Lord, whatever's breaking your heart in this community, can you help it to break our hearts so that we are moved to action, that we're motivated to do something other than sit on our hands and just minister and serve each other. But Lord, may, we be, may our heart be broken for lost people, hurting people to such an extent that we're willing to go outside these walls we began this morning sermon with this ideal, what we value determines our actions, right? If lost people matter to us, uh, then we will be willing to make the adjustments, to pay the price, to reach them. It will drive our actions. It will be what we measure. We won't be just measuring people in seats, but measuring folks who are lost that we help reach with the gospel. What's gospel mean? Good news. Shouldn't good news be shared? <laughs> I mean, if it's truly good news, if, if all these things that we say amen to are really what we believe, shouldn't it alter what we share? I mean, if, if someone in here, well, maybe you wouldn't, if, it depends on who you tell. But, it, but if you inherited a million dollars, wouldn't that be something that you would be pleased with and, and maybe share with a friend or two? 
No. <laughs> no good news is meant to be shared. And if, if this God has invaded our life and he's, he's, he's given us life where there was death, he's, give, death, he's given us hope where there is hopelessness, he's, he's encouraged us, he's, he's lifted us up. If this is really true, this is something we share. And it drives our actions because we begin to think that the most important thing to do is to share this good news, this treasure that I have in an earthen vessel. We're going to do something new in a couple weeks, and we're going to put a salvation candle in the front of the church. And, and i got to tell you, I'm, I'm nervous about it. In, in essence, the candle will be lit. When, when we reach somebody with salvation, or somebody is recommitted, or somebody is sanctified, those three things. When, when somebody comes to us and says, because of the ministry of this church, that, that they have found a new relationship or a much deeper relationship with God, we're going to light that candle. And if that thing's not lit, you know, it's going to be depressing, isn't it? But maybe it will be enlightening. Maybe if it's not lit, we'll say, you know, God, where else are we supposed to be serving? What else are we supposed to be doing? Stand with me, if you will. I'm going to ask Amy to come and and we're going to sing a new song and uh, sit down. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. This is a newer song. And uh, we had baptisms in the, in the first service. And I, you know, it's the one thing when you have double sessions that we, we don't share the same experiences in worship because you'll, you'll, you'll do um, a baptism in one service, but probably not both. And it was an awesome thing, and before we did the baptism, we sang this song, which is a newer song from, from Hillsong, who did Shout to the Lord and uh, several other songs that, that we've sang in the past. But this, this is called Beneath the Waters, and it is a song that talks about baptism and what happens in baptism. And, and some of the language in the song is just, I, I tell you what, if you can sit through the song, God bless you, I probably won't be able to. Because uh, when we talk about the glory of our God, and why we stand and praise him. He's worthy of our, our standing, right? And so we're going to sing this, and, and our altars are available. Maybe this morning, maybe you're serving, maybe you're doing, maybe you're doing all the right things, but, but if you were honest, you'd just say, Pastor, it's not right. I'm not living in the midst of that relationship. I don't sense his presence. And maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe there's somebody you're praying for. Maybe, you, maybe you've got a friend that you've been witnessing to, and, 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 and you just need God to intercede. And you need him to give you the words. Maybe it's a grandson or a, it's a daughter or, or, or an uncle or an aunt or a nephew and, and, or a coworker, and you're just ministering to him, and you just want to come on behalf of them. But as we sing this, I'd encourage you to sing along, and, uh, and then I'd encourage you to come as you would like to pray. I don't know, folks. I, I don't always do this. I don't. But I just sense we need to wait a second. Uh, it, it's five till. we got plenty of time. There's no hurry. Uh, but I just sense that we need to meet with God. And that uh, maybe you've been reluctant for whatever reason, but we're just going to wait just for a second, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, 
we stand in amazement of you. We kneel, we stand, we lift our hands, we sing. Because you're worthy of praise. And these are physical ways that we express our love, our devotion, our submission to you. And Lord, I've found many times in my life that um, that what I do physically can adjust my attitude. And so, Lord, it's in the times when we don't feel like praising that probably really, we really should begin praising. You inhabit our praise. And that's a phrase that um, I'm not sure if I fully understand. But, Lord, I believe it means that as we begin to express our thanks and our praise for you, that we can begin to see how you are at work in our life. James says, every good thing, every good thing is a gift from our Father above. And Lord, as I take that scripture to heart, that means that every blessing I've received today is not something I've earned or something I deserve, but it is a gift from my heavenly Father. So you're worthy of praise. You're worthy of thanksgiving. You're worthy of our life. As Paul writes, the only reasonable thing to do, the only thing that makes any sense is to place our whole lives before God as a living sacrifice. That's the only way life makes sense. And Lord, as we've sang these songs, and in the first service we've, we had a baptism, and, and we've, we begin to think about these things. And in Romans, Paul writes that when we're baptized, we're buried with Christ so we can live. So that's what we need, Lord. We need to understand your love, your care, your sacrifice, your goodness, your grace, and let go of all these things that keep us from clinging to you, all these things that that divert our attention and prevent us from selling out to you wholeheartedly, all these things that we cling to, we need to let go of those these things that we believe are life and grab hold of the one who truly is life. So Lord, move us past ourselves. Move us past our desires and our wants and place us in a a position where we fully embrace you and in so doing find life. Lord, my heart's heavy this morning. And I don't know why. But I believe, Lord, as I stand before people and preach, that oftentimes when my heart's heavy, your heart's heavy. 
So Lord, I speak to the person that's standing in these pews, that's clinging to everything but you, that's holding on to what's past when you offer hope, that, Lord, you will continue to draw as we leave this place this morning. And, Lord, they'll find a place to to seek your face and to, to find themselves fully in your presence and come to a point of decision for you. Now, Lord, I love you. I'm thankful for this place and this opportunity to hear from your word. I'm thankful for the opportunity to sing. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that as we leave this place, we don't cease being the church. We become the church. And Lord, every person we encounter, whether it's someone that's serving us at a restaurant, whether it's someone in our home, whether it's a neighbor, Lord, may we see them as someone deeply loved by you and may we love them like you've loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.